I thought maybe uh, loosen us up a little bit this morning and uh, find out how your recall is on things a little bit. But I, uh, I was thinking about like a, a song, all the things we can store in our memory like, on the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Come on, sing with me. Five golden rings. Actually, it's six in Pittsburgh, okay? <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, last week it was kind of like being surrounded up here, so, uh, yeah. Do you ever feel like you're surrounded in your life? You know, you, you find yourself in a situation, you know, maybe relationally, vocationally, spiritually, ethically. And you look to your left, you look to your right. And you look straight ahead, and you're just out of options. I mean, you look around, then you look behind you, and everything's caving in, and you realize you're in a crisis. I mean, what do you do? Where do you turn? How do you get out of this situation? And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at a group of people that were surrounded And I want to look at how they handled the pressure of being surrounded. And I'm going to set the stage, if you haven't been with us in Motown, and I want to kind of bring you up to speed here. But Moses, through kind of a burning bush experience, is recruited by God to lead the Israelites, the Hebrew people. They were in slavery. And so Moses, with the help of his brother Aaron go back to Egypt, and they meet with Pharaoh in the Oval Office. And they're, they're speaking for God, and they say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh looked at him and goes, you've got to be kidding me. No, go away. And we talked about this last week, that God sends ten plagues, things like frogs and boils and hail. And one after another, each plague... Pharaoh kind of cycles, and he goes, go away, leave me alone, Moses. Moses goes, okay, and the plagues come. And each plague, Pharaoh kind of cries uncle. He goes, make the frogs go away. Make the boils go away. Make the hail go away. You know, bring back the sun. And then as soon as relief comes, he's back to the same old thing. One plague after another, that is, till the last plague. And it cost most of Egypt, and it cost Pharaoh, their firstborn sons. And he calls Moses in the middle of the night, and he says, Moses, just leave. Here's some supplies. Please take the Hebrews and just get out of here, get out of here now. And that's where we left off last week. The Hebrews are are finally leaving And they're starting on the exodus, as it's known. And they've been waiting for generations. I mean, they've been in slavery for 400 years. And uh, when you read the story, I would fully expect that God would have taken them the shortest route. It 
It's 150 miles to the promised land. But God takes two and a half million Hebrews the long way. There's something I've figured out in life, and I don't know if you've figured this out, but when God leads, many times God will lead you the long way. And you know why? Because it's the best way. God, God takes us a long way because it's a better way for us in our lives. Exodus 13, we're picking up here. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. Does that sound like God? I mean, I was thinking about if, if we could see what God does in, in your life and mine, how he protects us, uh, how he keeps us away from things that we think are best, but God knows it'll hurt us ultimately. I mean, God's always working in our lives, and God knows exactly what we can deal with, what we can handle, what we can comprehend, what we can withstand in our lives. And so we have the Hebrews, they're leaving Egypt, they're heading to the promised land. I got to think they're jazzed. I mean, they are excited. They, they can hardly wait. And on their way, God turns them around and they do a 180. Verse 18, it says, so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Later in scripture, if you, you read, it says they looped around. They did a U-turn, basically, and they end up in a place called Belzaphon. And it's, we've got millions of people on this desert road. I want you to think about this. Just as far as you can see, there are people. And as they come into this area, they've got mountains on one side of them that they can't cross. There's no way to get over these mountains. And on the other side, they have a wasteland. In other words, if they decide to take the desert trek, they're going to die. And in front of them, they have the Red Sea. They're kind of in a cul-de-sac. It's a major people jam, big time. And I'm sure that there were people that were traveling with Moses, that they had a sense of direction. And they're like, now wait a minute. Why, Why are we looping around here? Hey, Moses. We're heading back to Egypt. I mean, what's the deal here? I mean, I've got a garment if you want to use it, you know. What are you doing? Moses is like, I've got GPS. It's a cloud. It's God's positioning system. Just stay with me. It'll be okay. God's leading. Don't worry about it. Now I want to ask you an important question this morning. Is anybody in a jam today? Anybody got your back to that proverbial wall? Anybody in a crisis? Anybody feel like you're trapped in a cul-de-sac? Maybe feel like you're at a dead end in your life? Because there's something I figured out about these cul-de-sacs in our lives, these situations. And that is, one, they are inescapable. As you journey in life, it's part of a thing called life you're going to face one after another after another. You can't dodge them. You can't get away from them. You can't throw it in reverse and avoid them. 
in fact, at times, get this, you have to take up residency in them. You have to live in them. And you live with your back against the wall. I mean, I've done it numerous times in my life. And I don't celebrate it those times. But I know they come. And I know that you can't get away from them. There's another critical thing when it comes to these cul-de-sacs, and that is you are the most vulnerable when you're in those cul-de-sacs, in those crises, in those situations. Because it's at that point that the evil one will use that to kind of leverage you, to defeat you in, in your life. God, on the other hand, wants to use that as a situation where he can deliver you. And here's the upside. You get to choose. You get to choose. It's an option. The Israelites have their back against the wall. They're going to get pushed to the edge. And you wonder, which way are they going to go? Which way are they going to turn? You know, what are they going to do? What do you do in those moments? I talk to people just about every week that their backs are against the wall. Whether it's an email or on the phone or talk to them out in the comments. The fact is they're out of room they're out of luck, and they're running out of options. And the pressure, the pressure builds. And some, something that I've found when I talk to people that, that are in that position is they're always searching for answers. They want to know what to do, want to know where, where to turn, how to deal with it. And I think our story today is going to help us with that. It's going to help us find some kind of higher ground in our life, some advice that comes from a a higher plane. And it's advice that I believe absolutely works when your back's to the wall, when you're out of options. Again, the Israelites are camped out. They're in this cul-de-sac. And I said earlier, they're surrounded. They've got mountains on one side. They've got desert on the other side. They've got a sea or an ocean in front of them. And now things are going to get better. They're going to heat up. The Egyptians are bearing down behind them. See, the Egyptians had decided they made a mistake releasing the Hebrew people. They missed their slaves. There was no one to do things for them anymore. Economy's crashing. Trash is stacking up. Things are coming undone. Pharaoh... He's done grieving the loss of his son and he wants his slaves back and he wants his country back the way it was and he's coming to get them. Israelites, they can hear the roar, the hoofbeats. The Egyptian chariots are rolling in. You can almost see the dust coming up in the desert. And they're starting to close the gap and the pressure's on. Israel feels trapped. They're in a tough spot. So what are they going to do? What are they going to do here? Scripture says as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Read with me. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? Desert to die. (laughs) We... We have, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? They panicked. They freaked out. 
you know, did you bring us to the desert to die? I mean, they didn't, didn't know what to do. And so they're, they're out there, they're freaking out, they're terrified, they're panicked. And then, and then they start imagining the worst case scenario. You brought us out here to die, didn't you? They, they start letting their minds go wild. And the fact is, when you're terrified, you can be quite creative, can't you? Moses, he, being a great leader, he steps up, he goes, time out. Whoa, everybody, time out. Give me your attention. You know, we need a new plan. This is not helping anybody. In fact, he says, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to have served the Egyptians than die. We need to move to the next screen, if you would. Moses answered the people after that and said, fear not. Fear not. People are complaining. Moses says, fear not. First step to higher ground, friends, is fear not. Don't freak out. Fear not. When your back's to the wall, and I know this isn't easy to do, but you've got to fear not. And I, I want to be real clear because in my life, numerous times, I've had my back to the wall, not just as a leader, but relationship-wise, family-wise, health-wise. And in those times when the back's against the wall, I know what it feels like. And I've struggled with, with fear in my life. And I've wanted to blame someone else or blame God. And if I'm not careful in those times, I can start down that worst-case scenario road. You know, I'll take an idea and I'll put it on the rotisserie in my mind. And I'll turn it over and over and over and over. How bad things are going to get. And friends, with each minute and each second, my future gets a little crispier. And I'll be honest with you, it can mess me up big time. Let me ask you something. Do you make better decisions when you are panicked and in terror or when you're calm? Seriously. I mean, let's pretend for a moment we're on a flight together. It's packed. We've been flying for a while. Storming. Lightning. You can see it all around you. Turbulence. Bouncing you all over the cabin. Finally, the captain comes over. This is your captain. This is an emergency. Please calmly pick up your life jacket and put it on and wait for further instructions. What do you think happens in the next 30 seconds? People are like, oh, this life jacket just doesn't go. It doesn't. Just... Do, you, do you mind trading? That would be a much better color on me. You know, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Go ahead, you take that life jacket. I'll find another one. <laughs> Seriously, do you think anything is calm after the captain says that? When your back's against the wall, people panic. 
And, and I understand. Don't misunderstand me. I understand that we're afraid sometimes. But it's not productive. And I know that some pastors or uh, teachers of the Bible would tell you that to react uh, with fear is, is sin and shameful and all that. And I, I'll be honest with you, uh, when your back's to the wall, I, I've, I just never could go there. And besides, I don't think that's really helpful. Because when the back's against the wall, what I need is someone to say, hey, let's see what works. Let's see what caving into our fears does for us. You know, let's see if maybe there's a better way to handle this. I love the the Israelites. They're out in the desert. Their minds are running wild. (laughs) Moses, I know why you brought us out here. Cemetery plots are cheaper. That's why you brought us out here. You know, I I picture uh, some of the uh, uh, Israelite women going, I told you that Moses was bad news. What What are we doing out here, you know? And... They're scared, they're whining, they're moaning, they're imagining the worst case scenario. And I know, because when I found myself in those situations, if I'm not careful, I could lay awake at night and trust me, I am creative. And I can come up with all kinds of crazy things. And some of you spend an enormous amount of energy worrying about all this stuff. What if? Well, if this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, I can end up way over here, and this will lead to this, and and we start connecting dots that don't even connect with each other, and pretty soon we're all skewed up, and we don't know which way's up. And just a very simple question. Does it help? Does it help? You know, Jesus said... Can any one of you, by worrying, by going down that worst-case scenario road, add a single hour to your life? I mean, what's Jesus saying? He's saying worry's unproductive. It doesn't solve anything. Use your energy another way. And I believe that it's something that we can tame. You know, that we can tame these wild, irrational thoughts that are associated with these fearful situations in our lives. You know, Paul, uh, he uses a little phrase in uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, we can take every thought captive. And that's an interesting expression. I mean, what Paul is saying is that we can take our thoughts captive. We can cage them. We can push them aside. Not here. Not now. Not helpful. I'm trying to get in the fear not mode. Not the freak out mode in my life. You know, Paul writes a young leader by the name of Timothy. And he says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. A spirit of freaking out. Panic. But a spirit of power. Of love and of sound mind. In other words, I believe you can have a sound mind. I believe you can develop the ability to be in a fear-not position. How do you do it? This this is the best way I know 
You may have a better way, but this is the best way I know, and I, I think it's really practical, and that is I just get a piece of paper out. And when I'm under pressure, when I feel the walls closing in around me, when I feel as though I'm running out of options and fear and those irrational thoughts are, are flying in my head, I just start writing them down. I chronicle every thought before God and just say, you know what, here's this stuff. Here's the stuff I'm freaking out about. Here's the crazy stuff. This is the unproductive things. These are the wild. And I just write all those ideas and put them out there. And then I write down the things that have merit, that keep me moving forward in my life. And when it's all done, and I've written everything I can think of, bizarre or good, then I get a pen and I just start marking out the crazy thoughts. And as I mark them out, I just go, okay, God, I'm crossing this off my list. Help me wipe them out of my mind. I cannot keep thinking about this stuff. Sometimes I still need some more encouragement. It's not quite enough. And I'll pick up the phone and I'll call a friend or a colleague and I'll say, look, I am trying to get in a fear-not mode in my life, and I just can't quite get there. And here's what I'm afraid of. Tell me why, I'm, why these are crazy. No, tell me why these, not why I'm crazy. Tell me why these are crazy. And it works. You know, they'll get in my head and go, Damon, think about it, and da-da-da-da. This is something every one of you can do in your life. And some of you already do it professionally for closing deals, making business decisions. But for some reason, we don't think we can do this spiritually. But you can. You can. You can take that step. When your back's against the wall, fear not instead of freak out. I mean, if you do not learn to deal with fear... Your decision-making capacity, seriously compromised. Israelites, they're in the desert. They're scared. Their minds running wild. We're going to die out here. Moses says, they were complaining, fear not. What's the next one? Stand firm. First step to higher ground, fear not. Second step, stand firm. Stand firm. Don't squirm. You know, get it together. When your back's against the wall, when you're in the cul-de-sac of life, you want to squirm. You want to freak out. You want to handle it yourself and deal with it. You want to get away from it. And God says, just stand firm. You know, I call it crashing through those quitting points. You know, you got to have endurance. you got to have strength. You know, when, when you're standing firm... Yes, you're going to be a little bit afraid, okay? There's going to be some fear. But you've got to talk to God about it. Say, okay, God, this is a tedious situation. Help me stand. Help me hold my ground. Don't let me give up an inch. And, you know, I found it's usually not the first problem that derails you. It's the second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth problem. And what do you do when it breaks open? You know, 
how do you deal with it? Stand firm. Drive the stakes in the ground and go, you know what? I am not going to let go here. I am not going to make things worse. I'm not going to embarrass myself by doing something irrational or stupid. You know, I'm going to stand firm and give God the opportunity to work in the situation. Are you standing firm today? Or are you squirming? Because I know some of you are in a jam right now. And the best advice, if you were to ask me, best advice for you, is if you didn't do anything else, but if you would just stand firm as a woman of God and just stand firm, you know, as a man of God and stand firm, you know, stand firm in your convictions and your foundation, you know, firm and level-headed, it would position you for God to do something in your life. Moses says, fear not, stand firm and watch the Lord deliver you today. Fear not, instead of freak out. Stand firm, don't squirm. Watch, Moses says, watch, see, don't flee. You know, too many times we look for the way out rather than the way through in life. When things start pressing, we, we want to run. We wanna, want a bolt in, in our life. We want out of the situation. In fact, I would say it's a rare thing that, says, that a person stands in that situation and says, okay, God, you put me here for a reason. What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to communicate to me? God, I'm open. I'm listening. I want to see your deliverance in my life. I think too many times we don't see God deliver us because we don't stand firm. We don't see things through. We don't give God the opportunity or the chance to make a difference in our lives. You know, I believe one of the greatest enemies in the Christian walk is the watch. We want everything to work in our time, my time. Okay, God, it's been 20 minutes. Time to get us out of this cul-de-sac. Come on, get with it. Hello, the Egyptians are coming. And God says, you know what? It's my time. Stand firm. Watch. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. And you need only to be still. Friends, when you are pinned in your life, when you are out of options, that's when your true theology shows. When the deal's going down and the pressure is mounting and you feel like there is no other option for you, your back's against the wall, you get to choose in that moment. You can choose and say, I'm toast. God doesn't care. I'm on my own. I'm going to have to deal with it my own way. Or you can say, okay, God, you're with me. 
and you're for me. And God has a track record of helping his kids when they're in a jam. And God has done supernatural stuff throughout history to save his children and help his children. And there's just a chance, just a shot, that God might do something for me. Moses says, watch. Watch what? He says, watch the Lord deliver. He says, watch the Egyptians, because this is the last time you're going to see them. And watch the Lord fight for you. That's the three things he told them to watch. Moses said, watch. God is going to fight. It's by God's strength, not your might. You know, and this is where I think things get tough. Because too many times when our backs are against the wall, we want to lean on our strength, our might, our intellect. And I got a newsflash for you today. Sometimes you are just outmatched. You are not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have enough resources. You are just outnumbered. And the more you try, the worse it gets. I mean, what if if the Israelites, once they saw the Egyptians coming, the dust is rising, they're closing the gap, they're heading their way. What if, in the middle of that, they go, okay, let's show them. Come on, and they take off and go fight them. I thought about this. I mean, I wonder what would have happened. I'll tell you what would have happened. They would have faced the strongest army in the world at that time and been massacred, and we wouldn't even be talking about them today. And then I got a little more personal with it, and I thought about the times I've been in situations. I've been in those crises and those cul-de-sacs, and I've blown it. I've blown it. I mean, I face the situation, and I'm like, yes, God, I I hear you, but I'm going to go ahead and take care of this one. I mean, I've got right on my side. I'll handle this, okay? See ya. And so I lower the boom, or I handle the situation. And then I find myself going, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. If only I'd have stood firm. If only I would have stepped back and seen what God was doing. Let God handle that. I mean, does that sound familiar? Because those kind of things just kind of rock me. Moses knew that the people would have a problem watching. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. When you're pinned, when you're in that cul-de-sac, when you're in that crisis, it's hard to be still, isn't it? One of my favorite scriptures, Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. There's power in that. When, when we're still before God, especially in those crisis situations, God will reveal himself in a powerful way if you let him. Paul writes this, he says, if you think that you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful 
God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Friends, no matter what you face in life, God is faithful. God promises to see you through whatever it is. And I know people tell me all the time, they'll go, yeah, but I was in this situation and and this is what happened and and I just fell, fell apart, I couldn't handle it. You know, everyone else was doing this and so I just kind of threw courage to the curb and I began to squirm and I bailed and I really didn't have an option. People, God will not let you. God will not let me be tempted beyond what we can bear. And I know we always think about like temptation, temptation, but in life, you know, that temptation to bail, to to flee, to take things into our own hand, that temptation to, to cut and run. You know, most people are looking for a way out in life. We don't like the E word, endurance. And I know as I'm saying that, some of you are going, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. You mean, you mean I've got to stick with something for a while? I've got to face cul-de-sacs? I've got to live in them sometimes? And, and I, I've got to crash through those quitting points? I'm not sure about that. I mean, sometimes it's just easier to quit. That way I feel like I'm in control, you know. So a few people get hurt. You know, a relationship goes bust. You know, some things go undone. So so I quit. I indulge myself a little. You know, if I don't see it through, some of the pressure can go away. Is that how you want to live? I mean, I look at Israel. The pressure's building. They're feeling the squeeze. They wanted to run. And although they're surrounded, things look bleak. They're battling fear. They crash through those quitting points and they face the situation with faith. Scripture says that Moses took his staff, in fact, picture over here on the album cover, takes his staff and he parts the waters. And Moses and all the Hebrews walk on the floor of the sea. They got water on on both sides of them. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Here comes Pharaoh and his army. I mean, whips are flying. They're probably screaming, I'm going to get you, Moses. I'm going to get you. And they're closing in on the Egyptians are on the Israelites, and the Israelites are now on dry land on the other side. Scripture says Moses took his shepherd's staff, and when they were right in the middle, just the waters cascade. Chariots can't swim, by the way. And the children of Israel, they're delivered. And friends, Here's what I want you to hear today. Is God wants to do that in your life. If you let him. God's timing. God's timing. Not yours. 
You can't say, well, I'm going to do this now. God bless me. Do not get ahead of God. Take the higher ground. During the crisis, fear not. Stand firm. And watch God deliver. You may need to do some things. God will guide you in that. But God will give you a way of escape. God will see you through. Okay? Doesn't mean everything turns out perfect. But God will see you through whatever it is that you're facing. And and here's how I want to close today. And it's very simple, but a bit challenging. Some of you have your backs to the wall. And today you get to decide how you're going to respond to that. And what I want to do is just pray for you today. Because I've been there. I, I know how awful it feels to be there. But I'm going to be just blunt. I do not want to pray if you're going to stay in victim mode. You know, poor me, I'm scared, there's no use, no options, too bad. I'm, I'm toast. Here's what I want to do is call you to higher ground, call you to a better way, call you to a brighter future. And so how many of you have your backs to the wall in some area of your life today and are willing to say, starting today, I'm going to do my part. I'm going higher ground. I'm going to fear not. I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to watch because God that I serve is a God that has character, a God that has a track record, and I'm going to expect God to help me. And I'm going to stand in faith today. And what I want you to do right now, and I won't do anything to embarrass you, I just want to pray for you, But if that's you, just stand up where you're at right now. If your back's against the wall in some area, stand up and just say, God, it's a new day. And what I want to do is pray for you. I would ask everyone else, if you just spot someone, you don't just where you're at, but pray for them as I pray for them, all right? God... I know you look down and you see these brave souls that have taken a stand and said, you know what, God? I'm putting it in your hands. God, I have no idea what the situations are, but you do. And I have no idea what the options are, but you do. And God, I know People feel surrounded. But I pray that they would sense your spirit, that they would know that you will see them through whatever it is. God, we long to lean totally on you, knowing that you are a God that delivers, a God that's all-powerful, a God that's all-knowing. God, I just pray that whatever the situation is. That they'd know they're going through. And you'll see them through. 
God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your promises. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here's what I know. Life is hard sometimes. And there are a lot of reasons you end up with your back against the wall. You know, sometimes our our back's to the wall because, you know, we've created the situation. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes someone else causes it. Sometimes the evil one just gets his hooks in us and just messes us up. But here's what I want you to know. No matter why we're there, it doesn't matter. You cannot expect a good outcome if you're living with a fear plan. You just can't. You have got to abandon that plan and go higher ground, new plan. Here it is. It's fear not time, it's stand firm time, and it's faith time. And I pray that you make that your stand today. Make it a declaration for your life. Put it on your refrigerator to remind you so when you're panicked and you're freaking out inside, that God will see you through it. Let's stand and sing together.